Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. Tonight we are continuing our teaching series on servant leadership. And we want tonight to focus on the topic of being led, being led. We believe that one of the most important aspects of ministry and leadership is being led by the Spirit of God. And before we begin tonight, let's just ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we sense and feel here tonight. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me to minister your word to your people, those here, those watching by live stream, Lord. God, that you would take your word tonight and that you would make it real to us, God. May we, may we be people that are led by the Spirit of God. And Lord, we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Do you have your Bibles here tonight? Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Beginning in verse 6, when you get there, you can say, Amen. Now you can say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you can say, Gloria a Dios. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I want you to think about that tonight. When they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, the Asia here is not the Asia of today. This is Asia Minor, which is essentially Turkey, where uh, the seven churches are uh, located, spoken of in the book of Revelation. But it's interesting here that it says that the Holy Spirit, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit forbid you to preach? the word in Asia because the Holy Spirit knows when a group of people is ready to receive the word of God. The Spirit of God knows when a people is ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting how Jesus, he said to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But yet the Holy Spirit forbids them right here. Jesus said, already spoke before this. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then the Bible says right here that they were forbidden to preach the word of God in Asia. You see, whenever God gives you a command, we still have to be led by the spirit of God according to his perfect timing. Not only is the will of God important, but the timing of his will is just as important. Now, let me say this tonight. That God does not guide a parked car. I'll say that again. God does not guide a parked car. I believe that the green light is your default position. You know, I would sometimes find in uh, Bible college, and I've shared before, you know, I I attended seminary for five years, uh, got my master's degree. But after my second year, pretty much every break, whether it was fall break, winter break, spring break, two-week break, three-day break, I was taking a trip somewhere out of the country. And, you know, sometimes I would hear people say, 
that they wouldn't go on certain trips because they would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Or, uh, you know, they, they, they had, they were so afraid of stepping outside of the will of God that they really were not doing anything at all. And I would tell them, you've already been given the command to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And even in your time of preparation, it's not an exemption from the Great Commission. I believe that God, he does uh, have times of preparation for us where he prepares us for greater things. I believe that the greater the call, the greater the preparation. God, he has to prepare you and he has to ready you. But I have found that some people have such a don't, don't, don't mentality that there's no do, do, do. And Jesus, he already said, go. Amen. There two thirds of the, uh, of the name God is go. God has called us to go and to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And as I said, God, he will not guide a parked car. Sometimes you've just got to take a step of faith. Sometimes you've got to just start moving. And, you know, uh, oftentimes when I went out of the country, I'll share more later on in this message, but I wouldn't know all the details. I wouldn't know how God was going to work it all out, but I would just have to take uh, that step of faith. And then it says in verse, uh, in verse seven, uh, it says, after they had come to Mesia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. But the spirit did not permit them or the spirit suffered them not. And so the reason why is because the Holy Spirit wanted them to go into Greece because the Grecians and Macedonian in Macedonia were ready to receive the word of God. Now later, Paul, he did preach to those who were in Asia Minor, uh, but there was a timing. God had a specific timing for the will of God for them to preach the word of God in Asia Minor. Now, Soon after I got saved, I got saved back in uh, 2010. At that time, I was attending one of the largest Pentecostal churches here in the United States of America, nearly 10,000 members. And uh, that was and that was 10 years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if they have 15, 20,000 members now. But that was my home church. And so when I first got saved, I had not yet been filled in the Holy Spirit, but I was trying to locate my function. I was trying to figure out what it was that I could do for the Lord. I was thinking, you know, maybe I could be, I could play guitar for the worship team or whatever the case. I was trying to figure it out. But, you know, I said, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'm willing to go. And, you know, a lot of my friends in, in, uh, that I graduated from high school with, they went to school for videography or criminal justice. And so, you know, a lot of them were asking me if I was going to go to school for the same things as them. And, you know, I would, I would tell them, you know, I'm interested in those things, but I want to go wherever God wants me to go. You know, a lot of people, they put God at the end of the checklist. They say, you know, I'm going to be a police officer and then I'm going to preach to, to, to the criminals. Well, that's great if that's what God has called you to do. But if God has called you to preach the gospel, you ought to follow the will of God. And so I said, Lord, wherever you want me to go, that's that's where, I'm, that's where I'm willing to go. And, you know, I was out of high school for about uh, two and a half years, uh, partying pretty much every night, was in trouble, was facing a felony, kicked out of high school. My life was a total train wreck. 
And I totally and completely surrendered my life to Christ. And God uh, began to radically transform my life. The felony was dropped. Went back the second semester of my senior year. Graduated. Got my high school diploma. And, you know, I felt like, and it's funny because the, the local newspaper had interviewed me at that time just before graduation. And I, I remember, uh, and I still have the newspaper where they have in a quote, I said, I feel like when I walk across that stage, uh, my life is going to is going to begin. And it was right after graduating high school, went down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I had my family down there in Baton Rouge, a part of Family Worship Center. And I planned to be down there for five days. And, you know, I, there was a hunger that was stirring up in my heart. You know, I was hungry for more of the presence of God. I was saved, but I was, wasn't yet filled in the Holy Spirit. I believed that God had more for me. And, you know, when I went down there, I still remember I got there at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and they had this bridge that goes across their main street, uh, Blue Bonnet Boulevard. And, you know, I was just pacing back and forth and, and praying at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And I said, Lord, if this is where you want me to be, I'm willing to move here, even though it would mean leaving all my friends and leaving all my family. I just want to be led by you. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. And I remember I went to the first service down there. I felt and sensed the presence of the Lord. And the Lord, he then led me down there for the next semester to start up seminary. I remember I had gotten a phone call actually from some people in Missouri. And they called me up and they said, um, we just received an inheritance and we want to help pay for your college. Now, they are not serving the Lord. I'll say that they're wonderful people, but they're not, they, don't, they would not consider themselves Christians but I really didn't know how they would react to seminary, to Bible college. And I, I remember I brought the application up to Missouri and I showed up to their house. And when I walked in, uh, I set the application up to the side. I was waiting until that right moment to mention it. And we started talking and they said, so did you check out any colleges in Louisiana? And I said, actually, yes. And I went and picked up that application and then I walked it over to them. I couldn't tell you if they were sober or not. And they looked at it and they said, Bible college? Well, that's great. Then he walked up. He said, Bible college? What's that? Oh, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so opened up the application, looked at the cost. He said, oh, that's not bad at all. Wrote out a check, covered the first semester. Second semester, wrote out a check. Third semester, wrote out a check. Fourth semester, wrote out a check. Uh, third year, they said, we can pay for half. I got another phone call from somebody else out of the state. They said, well, we want to pay for half of your tuition. Uh, three years of college paid for. And then the, the college said, we want you to become the RA. And so then my uh, most of my college was then paid for for my fourth and fifth year. And you know, my first semester, my, my, when I first went down there to Baton Rouge, those first five days, I was hungry for more of the spirit of God. And people began to ask me if I had yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with tongues. And I said, I said, I've never received it, but if it's from God and it's of God, then I want it. I want all that God has for me. Every promise in the book I want for my life. Amen. And they said, well, you know, we have International Youth Conference coming up this next year. Or the, um, not, not, not this next year, this next week. And they say, well, you know, if you can make it to this conference, it would be great. And so, you know, I told my sister at the time who I drove to Louisiana with, I said, you can go back to Missouri. I'm going to stay down here for the conference. 
And it was in that conference back in 2010, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I began to feel an unction of the Holy Ghost like I had never felt before. Um, you could say that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's an unction to function. Amen. God will give you an unction on the inside of you. And I began to feel a call into ministry. At that time, I still wasn't sure what area of ministry the Lord had called me into. And I remember it was the first camp meeting down there. I was, I was there in a service and there were a couple people from New Jersey. And after service, they just began to share on their heart what the Lord had called me to do. And it resonated in my spirit, but I said, Lord, I still need you to, to bring it to pass. And so I just kind of put it up on the shelf until God would bring it to pass. And then after my first semester of college, God opened up the first door to preach in a corporate setting and to see souls saved for the glory of God. And you know, I remember, you know, when you're led by the Spirit of God, sometimes you will face all sorts of opposition. And usually the greatest opposition does not occur outside of the church. It will happen within the church. And as a leader, as a preacher of the gospel, you've got to rise above the opposition. You've got to rise. God, when he anoints you, when he calls you to do something, if God be for you, who can stand against you? You've got to stand up and preach the word of God. God has called us to be as as bold as a lion. And sometimes when you're led by the spirit of God, sometimes nobody will understand, but you've got to do what God has called you to do. And I, I remember when I was getting ready to finish up that first semester and go up to visit Missouri, I remember somebody told me, they said, don't go. They said, don't do it. They said, wait until four years of college, and then you can go up there and preach. And I said to myself, no, the Holy Spirit is leading me to go up there now. Thank God I did. And I went up there and God began to bring that call to pass. And I remember driving down the interstate and just broke down weeping and thanking God for what he was doing. Came back for the second semester in college. We were in a big prayer meeting on a Saturday morning, maybe 60, 70 people there. Uh, Brother Swaggart was there. I had just gotten filled in the Holy Spirit and just began to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I grew up in a, a Baptist background, and so you didn't see tongues and interpretation. You didn't see prophecy. But, you know, I said in that prayer meeting, I said, Lord, I believe that you've called me, but I'm asking that you would confirm it right now through tongues and interpretation. And right when I prayed that prayer, somebody began to speak out in tongues. And I just began to break down and weep because I knew the interpretation was going to be for me. And there was probably about a five or ten second delay before the interpretation. But I'm just already broken down, weeping. And the very first words of that interpretation was, today I have called you. Hallelujah. Today I have called you. Hallelujah. And the Lord, he just continued to open up doors. And then I opened up my mind to go into other countries. And I said, Lord, I said, if you want to send me to Africa or Europe or South America, Central America, wherever, I'm willing to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And God, he just began to open up doors really all over the world. First, he started opening up throughout Central America, South America, uh, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, began to open up doors in Europe, in Afra, Africa, and Cuba. And every one of those trips, you know, it, it was always a step of faith, especially when you're going to places that are very dangerous. 
And, um, you know, one thing I found with missions is people will always say it's never a good time. Can I tell you tonight, never listen to those words. When people say it's not a good time, my question is, when is it ever a good time? It's always a good time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if your eyes are focused on the barriers and the obstacles and the challenges and the difficulties, I've got news for you tonight. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be difficulties. And you'll never accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. And so you've got to rise up above that and say, Lord, if you're leading me and you're guiding me, I will follow you and I will do whatever you have called me to do. When God gives you a vision, he'll make provision for that vision. When God calls you to do something, he'll never leave you on your, your own, but he'll make a way for it to come to pass. I remember I was flying back from uh, Honduras, and I was sitting next to uh, two Russian pastors on the plane. And as we were talking, it, we, I came to find out that we actually we had a lot of mutual friends in different parts of the country, uh, in Seattle and Portland, Oregon. And I, I remember they said, you know, I can tell you have a burden for the Russian and Ukrainian people it would be great if you could come to Russia or Ukraine sometime. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I remember later on that year, I talked to the founder of that mission organization and I told him I was interested in going to Ukraine. And so I had my mind set on Ukraine and I talked to the pastor. He was there in Ukraine at the time. And he said, whatever you want to do, we'll do our best to coordinate for you. We'll set up services for you. But right now, during the wintertime, it's very challenge, challenging to schedule services. But if you would like, uh, the door is open for you to go to Vienna, Austria. And for me, I didn't know anything about Vienna, Austria. A lot of people get it confused with Australia. So they got t-shirts there that say, sorry, no kangaroos here. But... I, this was literally, this trip was only a week away, a week and a half away. It was a trip that was going to cost, you know, 20, probably 24, 25, $2,600, which when you're in college, it seems like a lot of money. And I said, Lord, I was thinking about Ukraine, but if it's your will for me to go to Austria, I'm willing to go to Austria. And the verse that kept resonating in my heart is Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 that says, a man's heart plans his ways or devises his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's a verse I live by in ministry because it's okay to plan. A man's heart plans his ways. A man's heart devises his ways, but the Lord directs his, step, his steps. And so it's a biblical thing to plan. Some people are afraid to plan because they think they're getting ahead of God. God gave us the ability to plan, but when we plan, we submit those plans into his hands, and it's ultimately he who directs our steps. You know, I always laughed when I would see, you know, people talk about great crusades in other countries, and, and they would say, you know, it's amazing how all those people just showed up to that stadium and 60, 70, 80,000 people just filled up in that stadium as if uh, they just showed up and all the people showed up, but they don't realize the months of preparation that went into going down and planning and coordinating and meeting with pastors and organizing and advertising. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And a lot of people just see the result, but they don't realize all the footwork that went into it. You know, the footwork, it's very important. Important, and ministry is very important to do the footwork. 
A lot of people, they just kind of enjoy the reward of other people's labor, but they've never accomplished anything themselves. Can I just encourage you here tonight? If people have not done what you're doing, um, people have not accomplished what you're accomplishing, you probably shouldn't pay attention to what they have to say. And what I've found in ministry is some of the most critical people in ministry are the people that are accomplishing the very least. Sitting on the sidelines and attacking preachers, attacking pastors, attacking churches, telling them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, how they should be doing things, how they shouldn't be doing. Have you ever pastored a church? Have you ever led any kind of ministry that is having any kind of impact or influence on anybody? Have you ever actually done anything for the kingdom of God? Or are you just sitting on the sidelines and just criticizing and being cynical? You know, a critical spirit will never be satisfied. A critical heart will never be satisfied. And so in ministry, you've got to rise above the criticism and say, critics will say what they may, but I'm going on with Jesus just the same. I'm going to preach. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep preaching the loss. I'm, I'm going to keep seeing souls saved. And that's really the kind of heart that you have, you know, a large majority of my friends are pastors, and so you have a lot of conversations about the things that they're going through and the challenges that they're going through and the attacks that they receive and the criticism that they receive. And I just look at their critics, and I'm like, what are they doing? They're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. They sit on social media, and they hide behind a screen, and they just attack people and throw out their thoughts and throw out their opinions, but they're not really doing anything for the kingdom of God. You know, I, I'd rather surround myself with people that are actually accomplishing things for the kingdom of God. People that are actually focused on reaching the lost. You know, um, when people sling mud at you, don't get in the pig pen with them. Amen. Just walk away. Amen. It's not even worth your time. So many people, they get stuck in the pig pen, slinging mud Sometimes you just got to get out of the pig pen and say, I'm going to get my focus back on reaching the lost, reaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The children of Israel, when they were led, when, when they were led out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to lead them light so as to go by day and night. And so the children of Israel, they had the pillar of fire by night. They had the pillar of cloud by day, which was a type of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. Every day, they had to rely upon the leading and the guidance of the Spirit of God. Every day, they had to allow the Spirit of God to direct them. There's that saying, follow the cloud, not the crowd. Follow the Spirit of God. Follow the leading of the, the Holy Spirit. Follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They had to daily depend upon the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path in all your ways 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. You see, the Holy Spirit will always lead you to the word of God. If somebody says the Holy Spirit is leading me to do something, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, I, I can tell you tonight, that's not the spirit of God that they're listening to. The Holy Spirit will always lead you according to the word of God. Now, when you're led by the Spirit of God, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be going through uh, seasons of rejoicing and celebration, but sometimes you're going to go through seasons of temptation. Sometimes you're going to go through seasons of challenge. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, this was right after the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit. You notice that? Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit. And so it wasn't the devil that led him into temptation. It was Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And you know, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into times of testing, times of trying. When the Holy Spirit is trying to change something within us, uh, maybe wrong attitudes of the heart, wrong motivations of the heart, whatever it might be, the Spirit of God will have to lead us through times of, of testing and tribulation where those impurities, they rise up to the surface. Sometimes it's when you're under the most pressure that you see things in you that you never knew existed and the spirit of God that's a part of the work of the spirit of God and a part of the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit to bring us into times of testing John chapter 14 verse 26 but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it fear. And so the peace of God, it should be our natural habitat. It should be our natural default mode, the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Spirit of God. The peace of, of God is our compass. How do you know if you're being led by the Holy Spirit? Well, do you have the peace of God in your heart? I believe that as you're moving forward and you're doing what God has called you to do, if it's not the will of God, if, if God wants to redirect your path, then, then you won't sense the peace of God. And so the peace of God, it is uh, your compass. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 it says likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself or better translated himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and so sometimes when you're facing situations in your life the bible says that sometimes we don't even know what to pray Sometimes you will face situations 
that are so overwhelming and so consuming and so beyond your understanding and all you can do is call out to God. And you know, the purpose in the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for the Spirit of God to pray through you. And so when you don't know what to pray and you're facing a situation where you don't know what to do, that's when you should pray in that prayer language because those prayers are inspired by the Spirit of God. And because they're inspired by the Spirit of God, that means it's perfectly according to the will of God. And so you may not know what to pray and you just begin to call out to God in tongues and the spirit of God interprets that to the father and says he needs wisdom. She needs direction. He needs his bill paid. She needs provision. The spirit of God makes intercession. And aren't you thankful for the spirit of God? Aren't you thankful that you've got the Holy spirit? You've got the comforter in you leading you and guiding you into all things. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 143 and verse 10, the psalmist said, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Hallelujah. I love that. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. Your spirit is good and lead me into the land of uprightness. You know, it's interesting in Acts chapter 13 and verse two, it says, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted and that the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and, and Saul for the, work, uh, for the work that I have called them to do. For the work whereunto I have called them. And so how many of you know that the Holy Spirit, he will speak to your heart. The Spirit of God will speak to your spirit. And as they were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting, how many of you believe that fasting is scriptural? Sometimes you have to wonder if people actually believe in fasting or not. But it says that they ministered to the Lord and they fasted and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work unto I have called you to do. Jesus said that you are the sheep and I am the shepherd and that the sheep know my voice. And so the Lord, he'll speak to our hearts and he will direct us and he will guide us, especially when you have stepped up to the call of God and you've answered the call of God to do the work of, work of God. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, uh, the Bible says, uh, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. I love the terminology bound in the spirit. Sometimes you will feel bound in in the spirit to do something. The unction of the Holy Spirit within you to do something will be so strong and so overwhelming that you will be bound by the spirit. You know, everything that God accomplishes in our life is through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Even when you got saved, you got saved because the spirit of God led you to Jesus. The Bible says no man comes to the father unless the spirit draw them. And so the Holy Spirit led you to that church service when you accepted Jesus. The Holy Spirit led you to that radio station. The Holy Spirit led you to that television channel where a preacher was preaching on the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and you reached out by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It was the Spirit of God that led you to Jesus. We oftentimes say that we found Jesus. No, Jesus found 
found you when you were lost in sin, when you were on your way to hell, when you had no hope, when you were bound by cocaine and heroin and alcohol, lost without God on the streets. Jesus came walking by. Jesus came to where you were. Jesus called you before you were even in your mother's womb. He said, I have called you and I know you by your name. You are mine. And so God called you out of your sin. He called you out of the darkness. He called you out of the world and he placed you in his marvelous life. If you're thankful for that. I want you to give God a mighty hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You see... The Holy Spirit does not possess you like evil spirits possess you. The, the Holy Spirit, he will never force you to do anything. People, they, they say things like, like, Pastor, I, I asked God to fill me with the Holy Spirit and to take over my tongue, but he hasn't taken over my tongue. You see, God will never force you to speak in tongues. Some people think if God wants me to speak in tongues, he'll make me speak in tongues. God will never force you to do anything. You Speak out what you sense and feel on the inside. You sense words and languages on the inside of you. You start it, but he finishes it. God will never force you to do anything. The Bible, in fact, the Bible says that the spirit is subject to the prophet. So if somebody tells you that God made them, force them to prophesy, God will not force you to prophesy. He will unction you to prophesy. But, you know, there were times even in the past when I operated in tongues and interpretation and the gift of prophecy. And, you know, sometimes I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was the Lord that was unctioning me to do it. And then there were times where I think that I maybe allowed my emotion early on to take control and it wasn't really the unction of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes the Spirit of God that he'll be speaking things to us on an individual basis. And sometimes what God is speaking to us on an indivi individual basis is just for us and not for the body. But when God does give you an unction to give a word to the body, then you've got to step out in obedience. And, and it's not easy uh, speaking out and, and operating in the utterance gifts spoken of in 1 Corinthians. It's, I, I think that um, you know, it takes a lot of boldness because you've got to trust in the spirit of God to lead you, to guide you and to direct you. But the Holy Spirit, he will at times unction people. I believe that the Holy Spirit, he wants your cooperation for you to flow with him. The Holy Spirit, he won't force you, but he, he leads you. And so God, he wants us to flow. Uh, he wants us to move as he moves and, and leadership. You've always got to be sensitive to the spirit of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? And sometimes it's not easy doing what the Lord has called you to do. Sometimes you got to put your foot down. Sometimes you got to take strong stands. It's not always easy, but you've got to be led by the spirit of God. You've got to be directed by the spirit of God. That's one of the most important things. You know, sometimes I wonder, and you know, obviously I'm not against series because we're doing a series right now, but you know, sometimes like I wonder when churches, you know, they adopt like certain like series that they ordered offline and then they just stick with their series. You know, I have to wonder, is that actually what God wants you to teach and preach 
to those people at that specific time. The Bible says a word in due season, how good is it? And so I believe that anytime you speak forth the word of God, God has a specific word for specific people at a specific time. And so you've got to be led by the Spirit of God in that moment. And sometimes you will take a week, you will take two weeks to prepare a message. And then it comes time to preach the Word of God. And then you realize that that's not what the Lord wants you to preach. And you've got to close the book and just preach from your heart whatever God lays on your heart. you got to set your notes to the side and say, Lord, you lead me and you guide me. And sometimes those are the most powerful and impactful messages that you will ever preach. And by the way, none of this is in my notes here tonight. But you've got to be led by the unction of the Spirit of God. You've got to preach what God lays on your heart to preach. You've got to speak forth what God puts on your heart to speak. Now, God, one thing about God is that he doesn't override our personality. What I mean by that is you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All of them uh, were giving uh, much of the same accounts. I believe it's like 92%. Of what's in one of the synoptic gospels is in the other two. And so they were giving the same account, but from a different perspective. They all had different personalities, but they were all inspired by the spirit of God. I believe that we've got to allow God to form our personalities. I believe that we've got to allow God to mold us and shape us into the person that he wants us to be the preacher that he wants us to be the leader that he wants to be. We've got to allow the spirit of God, Martin Lloyd Jones. He said it well, that without the unction of the Holy spirit, you will have no power and your preaching will not be effective. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, that without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit if you want to be used for the kingdom of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I've said it before. I believe it was A.W. Tozer who said it, but if God was to withdraw the Holy Spirit from the earth today, that most likely 90% of churches out there would keep doing what they're doing and they'd realize they wouldn't realize that anything changed. The Holy Spirit, we've got to have the leading, we've got to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he unctions us to preach. He unctions us to prophesy. He unctions us to worship. He unctions us to, to, to step out in faith. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he will unction you to do all sorts of things. Charles Parham, he said this. He said, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is given to illuminate his word, to open the scriptures, and to place the spiritual man in direct communication with the mind of God. I love that. To place a spiritual man in direct communication with the mind of God. And can I tell you something here tonight? That the anointing that is upon your life, it will attract attacks. I'll say that again. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, it will attract attacks. But don't look at it as trouble. Look at it as confirmation. And keep going forth in the mighty name of Jesus. The higher the trees, the stronger the winds. The more you're accomplishing for the kingdom of God, the greater the opposition will be. But rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and go forth and do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. 
There's a lot of people I honor. There's a lot of people I respect, but there's nobody that keeps me from doing what God has called me to do. There's nobody who stops me from following the will of God for my life. There's nobody who stops, stops me from following the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Paul, his calling was not of man, neither by man, but it was from God the Father and Jesus Christ who he rose from the dead. The call of God is exclusively between you and the Lord. Now, that does not mean that we should have a kind of attitude where we lack honor and respect for other pastors and leaders. Because I believe in honor. I believe in respect. I believe that if you can't honor those in authority, those in leadership, you will not get very far. That I can promise you. If you can't show honor to people, if you can't live in the shadows of other men, then God can never put you in the spotlight. And so you've got to learn to honor people. That's not, that doesn't take away from leadership. That sets the tone for leadership. And it's critical to show honor and respect. And there are people in my life, friends and preachers, that yes, they do have my loyalty. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything they preach and everything that they do. But when you're in ministry and when you're in leadership, you know, there's battles that people face that you never see, that you would never imagine. And ministry, it is not for the faint-hearted. If you think that ministry is all about applause and recognition and influence and likes and position and power, it's so much more than that. There, there are so many challenges and battles and struggles that come with ministry and struggle come with uh, leadership. And there are friends of mine that it doesn't matter what the criticism is, doesn't matter what the gossip is, doesn't matter what the, the hearsay is. It literally has no bearing and will not have any bearing on my love and my respect and my support and my loyalty in their life. <clears throat> Amen. In ministry, seasons change. People change. Sometimes people love you. Sometimes people get upset with you. You love them both. But things are always changing. And it means so much when you have people in your life they do not give into the gossip. They don't give into the hearsay. They don't give into the criticism. But they say, they got my support. They got my love. They got my loyalty. I'm going to continue to lift them up because you will always have such a greater impact on people through your love and through your respect and through your honor than you will ever have attacking, criticizing, tearing down. There's five, there's five functions in ministry. Some people have tried to add a sixth. Lumberjack ministry. It's not in the Bible. I'm sorry. That's a self-appointed position. And it's time to step down from that position because that's not a biblical position. God, he has called us to take a, a, a stand for truth and boldness. We never should compromise the word of God, but everything we do should be in love it should be in sincerity, and it should be with a desire to actually see people come into the reality of the truth, to see people succeed in the kingdom of God. I, I want to see those who are, are, are struggling actually accomplish things for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And what I found is that people like to kick the laborers who are down, they would like to kick them when they're down. But my mindset is we don't have enough. We need to get them back up on their feet so we can accomplish more for the kingdom of Almighty God. And if you believe that, I want you to give God a mighty hand clap of praise. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. We got to be led by the Spirit of God. And I believe that the Spirit of God brings unity. The Spirit of God brings peace. And everything that we do, whether it comes to preaching or decisions that we make, we've got to say, Lord, what is your will? Where if you, if you have two different choices, God, where is your peace? Which way do you want me to go? And he said, I will direct your steps. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will direct your steps. I've had to make many decisions over the last 10, 12 years that were not easy to make. Some were a step of faith, but I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit has never let me down. The Holy Spirit has always been faithful to direct me, to guide me, to lead me. And God, he will bless your faithfulness. He will bless you when you step out in faith and you say, Lord, I'm willing to follow your voice. There's a lot of voices out there. There are a ton of voices out there through television, through social media, through the music that we're inundated by. But we ought to say, Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, I've got to hear your voice. I've got to know your will for my life. Hallelujah. Speak to my heart. Sometimes you've got to separate from everybody and everything and seek the face of God and say, God, what is your will for my life? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how do you want me to do things? What do you want me to preach? What do you want me to say? And he said that my sheep know my voice. And you might say, well, I don't hear God speaking to me. Well, when's the last time you opened up your Bible? When's the last time you got your face in the book? Some of y'all need to get off Facebook and get your face in the book. Amen. Some of you need to quit paying attention to social media and say, Lord, I need you to speak to my soul. Hallelujah. I've got to have a word from you. I've got to hear your voice. I've got to know your will. Hallelujah. I feel that tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know where any of that came from, but I like it. Hallelujah. We got to get alone with God. The Bible says time and time again that Jesus would depart unto a solitary place. He would get alone with God. He would go into that secret place. And he would commune with the Heavenly Father. And I think we get so distracted with everything happening in our world and everything going on that we lose that personal interaction and that personal communion and that personal direction from the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit of God. And if you believe that tonight, I want you to give God a mighty hand clap of praise here tonight. Singers and musicians can come back. Psalms chapter 23 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. I love that. Beside the, the, the still waters. He leads me into 
paths of righteousness, which speaks of paths of pleasantness and peace for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, can you give God a mighty hand clap of praise here tonight? <laughs>